Welcome back to the Music Industry 360 Podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa, and today we have an extra special episode for you. I'm actually interviewing two uh, very important people in the music industry. So I'm just going to introduce, we have Peter Wilhelski, who is our content development specialist at Symphonic Distribution, and we have Darren Simcoe, who is the manager of Tipsy Records. Hey. Hi, guys. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being here. I appreciate both of you being on. No, it's uh, super exciting to, to be here with you today and get to talk with Darren here from Tipsy. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. All right, so I'm going to start with Peter here. Uh, Peter, can you actually just give us a brief career overview and about your role here at Symphonic too? Oh, um, I've worked in the music business pretty much my entire adult life, uh, starting actually here in Tampa um, at uh, WMNF 88.5 FM, uh, a community-sponsored non-commercial radio station uh, here in town. From there, I moved to New York and was director of A&R at uh, a label called Astroworks, where I signed uh, artists like the Chemical Brothers and Future Sound of London and Space Time Continuum, um, Carl Craig's Inner Zone Orchestra. Um, left Astroworks to actually go work for Carl Craig uh, for a few years and running his label Planet E Communications. Um, I've done marketing. I've done publicity. I've been a nightclub and, and touring rave DJ for you know for years and years. Jack of all trades, master of, of some. <laughs> uh, worked in physical distribution when that was still actually a concern. Uh, live currently in Denver, Colorado, where I moved to work for for uh, electronic music DSP Beatport, and now I'm here at Symphonic doing uh, content specialist. Well, that's a lot of knowledge there. I'm glad to have you on and to have you part of the team here yeah, too. Well, you know, thrilled to be here. It's you know, uh, been here since January, but it's you know, it's great to be part of the team. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Darren, if you don't mind, I'm gonna just do a brief uh, kind of overview, kind of like your um, your introduction, kind of like you know, in wrestling, you know, what they say, like, and in this corner yeah. we have. <laughs> sure, that's cool. All right, so launched in 2016, Tipsy Records emerged out of the depths and lit up the electronic dance music scene with its fresh brand of electronic dance pop, focused on up and coming young producers. Founded by 24-year-old journalist, social media influencer, and A&R head Darren Simcoe, off the back of the Tipsy Tortoise, a highly influential SoundCloud and YouTube profile, in a mere two years, the label has released singles from such rising stars like Flyboy, Giants, Bad Colt, Durisk, and MKJ. In that time, the label has quickly become a go-to hotbed of talent from major labels and major independents such as Warner France, Sony Norway, and Ultra Records. Now distributed exclusively by Symphonic, Tipsy continues to go from strength to strength in 2018 with exciting new releases due in the last part of the year from Blinded Hearts, Canadian producer duo Paris and Simo, and longtime label artist Nick Ernst. We welcome to the Symphonic Music Industry 360 podcast, Darren Simcoe. Yay! Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure, honestly. It's like, <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, Darren, so, uh, you know, again, welcome to... You know, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the the symphonic family of, of distributed labels. Um, I guess first question is really, how did you get into electronic dance music? Well, I've always been into music, and um, I have a background of like playing instruments, such as mainly piano, and and um, really with that being my background, 
I got lucky in college and I started a little online brand which um, on SoundCloud and it, it took, a, took a big following. We, 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 we really got up over 100,000 followers, which was big at the time, not so much now, just a lot of people doing it. But, you know, at the time it was enough footing for us to really establish as a brand and then later go from the Tipsy Tortoise to Tipsy Records, which, you know, we're going full throttle now. And, um, you know, that's kind of that's kind of the background there. So, so who would you say are, are your musical inspirations then? You know, and, and it doesn't necessarily, and when I ask that, I, I don't necessarily specifically mean, you know, as far as electronic dance music, it can be really, you know, across the spectrum, but certainly including, you know, any, any electronic dance music artists that you feel are, are, you know, particularly inspirational for you. Believe it or not, um, when I was younger, I watched a lot of, uh, you know, musical type stuff and, and Disney Channel was always interesting for me and how they really grow artists, you know, aside, you know, act, they have people acting and, you know, they're just really making these pop stars and I always knew there was something there, but I didn't know why I was listening to Demi Lovato at such a young age. But it's funny though, because, you know, it really just reminds me of what we're doing today. You know, we really are digging into the pop, you know, underground artists and, you know, giving them a chance, going at bat for them. And it's kind of the name of the game. But, you know, with that being said, not just Disney Channel, but really, you know, a lot of that kind of music, awesome, you know, awesome potential vocalists and stuff and and discovering talent. Like I always always uh, thought that was awesome and um, developing them and later artists like Avicii and stuff and and Skrillex when when he started blowing up and Cruella and stuff really, uh, really got me into EDM. Cool. So. As far you know, you said you know earlier that you know the the genesis uh, you know of this you know sort of came out of this you know YouTube and 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 SoundCloud profile um, you know called the Tipsy Tortoise. So I guess just talk a little bit more specifically about you know the the evolution uh, you know of that profile you know into you know what now has become, you know, Tipsy Records, but just really more specifically about, you know, how you built that, that SoundCloud and in, in, in YouTube uh, channel and, and, and really built it into, into something that, you know, was garnering attention before you decided to jump off and, and do the label. Totally. Um, I, I think everything is, it becomes super competitive, but when there's an opening, there's an opening. And, you know, we saw all these big YouTube channels taking, you know, a footing and really making a brand. And that's honestly what gave me the idea to kind of start my, you know, my channel and the tipsy tortoise, trying to find something that resonates with somebody and, you know, everybody gets tipsy, you know, Um, (laughs) but, you know, the animal thing is just, you know, a personal favorite and it just kind of catchy and it just made sense. We, we got pretty lucky, you know, growing the way we did at that time. It was all opportunity and we, you know, we were, let's say there was a YouTube boom for those guys that all kind of started their channels around the same time. There was also a SoundCloud boom that you just had to be kind of opportunistic. And it, and it certainly sounds, well, absolutely during that time, you know, there was a, a lot of space and a lot, a lot of opportunity for entrepreneurial music lovers, if you will, to be able to you know, get into those platforms and expose new music. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely a nobody too. It's like, you know, you can, you can play the game, but you gotta, you just gotta be yourself and, and just, you know, 
make music. Right. I think it's also important to note, um, you know, really the the level of followers that both those profiles had, you know, at their height. Um, just to give our audience a sense of, you know, really how how big and influential um, they were at, at that particular point in right. in those um, life cycles. To try and answer your question, I you know I I think that once we started, you know breaking like 50,000 followers on SoundCloud, we were able to really work that niche and promote music, you know, how at least we wanted to on SoundCloud and really work with the people that we want to work with and kind of, you know, give a little, you know, repost for somebody in exchange for one from them and get hundreds of thousands of plays. But when that really started to happen and it didn't happen for long, you know, we were able to get these hundreds of thousands of plays until everyone started doing it. So when we got to around 50 to 100, that's, you know, that's when we started really trying to do favors for artists and work with these artists and establish the relationships that we would further need to, you know, sign them and stuff. And, you know, that was the name of the game back then, just try to work with people. And I think it still is, but you, you, you try to find a way to work together and then find a reason to stick together. Right. So and then at that point, it certainly became apparent that okay, here I am working with these artists, and I'm kind of building a you know a, a core of people who make music that I like and that I like as people, and that transitioned into what is you know what is Tipsy Records. So right. um, the opportunity presented itself with when you work with enough artists um, in their interest, you know you you got something, and, and it, for us it was you know we're, we were able to change you know turn the brand into a real record label. Right. So you know, one of the things that that has certainly attracted me to Tipsy as a you know as a label is your A and R policy. Not everything that that the label puts out is a you know a fully bona fide hit, and that's really hard to to you know, really do for any label. But you know everything the label has released you know, has pop gold kind of written on it. You know, you've got really golden ears and have uncovered some amazingly fresh talent. Um, So is there a secret to that? Um, I, you know, I think that the secret would be, it's just, this is my little thing that I've been thinking of. If there's a golden ear, there's a golden eye. And I think that most of the way that I find records is before I even listen to them, you know, you can, you know, an A&R can do a lot of digging to find out, you know, what he's about to hear. And if you go and listen to the artist's previous stuff, you can get a lot of information that you would need if you were to get behind that record either way. Um, so I tend to know when I have something that I'm going to accept before I even hear it. But um, I think there's a golden eye aspect with that's my little theory but you know it's not a secret i I think that there's a lot of taste making going on i have a i'm picky but you know we get a lot of great music and the 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 quality of the music has been increasing on a month-to-month basis like it's just getting better and better and better and it's harder to choose and it's more and more about the background of the artist you know as you go on you know you can't focus on the music itself these are things that most labels are starting to see and you know at least the ones that want to you know do it right yeah absolutely I, I you know certainly echo your answer there in the sense that you know yes it, it you can do a lot of background digging after that it starts with the music itself but you know again long-term involvement comes from 
you know, how does that artist sort of develop it, you know, it, their visual aspect, you know, from release art to, you know, artist logos and music videos. Again, that, that visual aspect, you know, especially with social media these days, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, you know, just having that kind of visual image that's that's easily identified with an artist, you know, these days helps to be able to solidify them as a brand and then it's what the, what does the label do with those assets to kind of help bring the, that that artist to the to the next level, you know, whether it's, you know, a, a single track, whether it's an EP, whether it's a video and help them continue to have a conversation with their fan base from the label's perspective. And just to add to that, you, you try to you try to hear every demo. You try to listen to everything. You're better than a lot of A and R people then, because it's hard. <laughs> you you have to. It's almost like you have to have people helping you listen, and um, you try to hear everything. But if you get a demo, let's say on Facebook or something, which happens too much these days. Comparing a demo that you receive, you click the artist or you click the song, and before you click, before you hear the song, you see the artist's profile and you see which like which labels he's worked with, and then compare that to a link that you click where there's literally nothing on there. It's just a, an empty SoundCloud page, but potentially they're making good music. But uh, which one would you you know you, would would take your gut feeling? You know, I think that that. Depending on the type of label you are, depending on the type of A and R person you are, yes, you, the in some ways the obvious way to go down is you know the artist with the profile, the artist with you know, marketing ability. But sometimes, and I think you'll probably agree with me, sometimes you click on that on that song on that SoundCloud page with nothing, and and again it might be you know one out of a thousand profiles, you know or 2,000 profiles or 5,000 profiles that you get sent links to, but there might be that one song mm -hmm. from nobody who's ever produced anything mm -hmm. before, but it's it's gold. Mm -hmm. And and not to say that you you know if I'm clicking it I'm listening if I'm clicking the link I'm gonna play it but but you know it's just kind of like keeping that in mind for artists that are submitting and you know kind of realizing that it is super competitive for A and Rs and you know we we try to hear everything. Over the last two years, you know, the label has done its fair share of, of licenses to, you know, to larger independent labels and, and including the majors. So what's it like going from zero, you know, no releases, you know, being this SoundCloud profile and, and YouTube profile to having the majors knocking on your door with licensing offers? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, well, actually, you know, it's, I haven't heard it like that before. Zero to hero? <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It does sound pretty cool. Um, you know, it's crazy, though. We were releasing music, I want to say, in December. We started releasing our first stuff two years ago, December two years ago. And like a month later, we were getting licensing offers for, for our stuff. And it's like, you know, how does this happen? But I think, you know, we just goes to, you know, it goes to the to the SoundCloud profile and how, how important that was back then and how important it is to kind of, you know, master a craft and take an opportunity when you can. I mean, you know, and try to find the, you know, the right time for something to grow. Right. Uh, you know, but again, it, it's not every day that, that, you know, again, you start a label in two years and, you know, within within the first quarter of releases, you know, 
you know, <laughs> you, you know, you've got you know Warner France knocking on your door saying, "Hey, we want to license this from yeah. you." You know, I mean, I think that in many ways that's the you know that's the the wet dream of you know any label you know that just started up. You know, yeah, I remember our, I remember our third release. We did from Flyboy. It was, uh, you know, I don't, you know, the, it was the third one that we did. And and the day that we released it, we got an email from Warner Germany. And it was like a huge label. You know, Robin Schultz was, you know, really tight with that label at the time. And, and it was the time for our kind of music back then. We were really doing more, you know, acoustic house music and, you know, getting a little poppier after that. But, you know... It was, it was, a, I remember the bittersweet feeling of that. And it was, uh, it was just, you know, must have been the music, but, you know, and fortunate to work with awesome artists. So two years in, tell us one thing about the business of running a label that you would do differently if you only knew then what you do now. Oh, only one? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, for the purposes of this podcast, pick one. Well, I would, I would, I, you know, I think this might be more common than, you know, I think, but. Don't spread yourself too thin and just master the craft. And that's like my new thing these days that I like to do a lot of stuff in music. I'm, uh, you know, I'd love to, you know, I like making music, but, you know, once you start to admit that you're lucky to do what you do and, you know, you start to see it as, you know, an opportunity, you know, an opportunity to have what you have, then, you know, you start to realize you should master the craft. And, and that's my goal right now is to, you know, run this one record label and run it right. Yeah, I, I think you know, I would probably agree with that for sure. Um, I think sometimes you know artists and labels, uh, label managers um, or label owners can be impatient, and you know they're they're trying to get somewhere fast. You know, so you know, they're you know they're upset that you know their first release you know doesn't get the the homepage of Beatport or. Uh, you know, isn't, you know, on Spotify's New Music Friday or this particular playlist or that particular playlist or, you know, featured here or highlighted there, you know, it, it, it takes time to build momentum. Even though your music might be great, you know, it, it takes time to, you know, create that goodwill in the industry, create visibility, create a streaming and sales history, uh, create a marketing story for yourselves, and and just so many so many artists and so many labels are are trying to like you know become huge superstars within their first three releases, or become you know, you know spinning records or Armada or you know name any of the you know the big high tier you know um, you know electronic dance music labels you know within you know within their first release you know, first releases. You know, you look at a, a label like, uh, you know, Adam Bayer's drum code, you know, Adam's been doing, you know, doing drum code for, you know, for 20 years, you know, while they're the hottest techno label at the, uh, of the moment, it didn't just happen overnight. You know, he's been doing it for 20 years. So, you know, be patient. Right. I mean, you know, uh, just to add to that, you know, I remember seeing the profit margin on, on Tipsy and, you know, it was funny. I just... I got a couple of people together and we started two more record labels and we were releasing music along with tipsy and, you know, just to kind of reinforce what I was saying earlier, you know, you might be making money on all these projects, but you know, then your, your, your attention starts to get a little spread out and, you know, tipsy is not, you know, as much of a priority as it was or could have been, you know? So I just think in hindsight, you know, I'd, I'd love to just 
focus on tipsy completely, make it the best label it can be. And I've always gotten advice to do that. And it was just like, it was funny because I never saw it for how it was typed. And then I just started realizing that everybody's right. You just gotta focus in on, be the best you can be on one thing. You could be a jack of all trades or you could be a, you know an ace. Absolutely. So tell us about what you have coming on the ske- up on the schedule this year. What's the one release between now and the end of this of 2018 that you're really excited about? We're really excited about some of the bigger artists that come our way, even though it's like more of a rare occurrence. We had Paris and Simo become available for a release in um, the end of October. It's going to be coming out, and it was an artist called Raz that made it all possible because he's been. We've been talking a lot, and he, he ended up collabing with Paris and Simo, who have played Ultra Music Festival and stuff in Miami. And it's, um, that's something really to get excited about for a, for a smaller label like Tipsy, because uh, these are big shows, and it, it really, it really like, it correlates with where we are in Florida and where they played and where they may have a fan base and how big they are compared to how we're usually discovering artists and launching the smaller guys. So it's, it's really exciting, but we have a lot of awesome releases. You can, you can stay tuned every Friday and we're going to be releasing a single every week that we're really proud about. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. Uh, you know, Paris and Simo, you know, having a release on tipsy after having releases on, you know, Steve Aoki's Dim Mac and Tiesto's uh, Musical Freedom and Blau's Bloom label, you know, I mean, that, that's a, you know, that's a profile elevator for, for Tipsy as a mm-hmm. label. So it, it's got to be, you know, a, a release that you're, you know, hugely proud of. And I'm sure fans of theirs are going to really be, you know, checking out what, you know, who this label, you know, Tipsy is. So that's, you know, just a, a fantastic thing. Very excited about that one. Cool. So who are your favorite artists that aren't on Tipsy? In a perfect world, what artists would be on your wish list to work with? hope they're not all dead. <laughs> you know... Uh, okay, so so what you're saying is that you know, you would resurrect Avicii and, and from, yeah. you know, uh, and, and, want to, and, and, and want to work with Tim again. You know, it's funny because I just love the, the pop house that he really brought to light for EDM. And, you know, there's a lot of great artists out there. I'd love to, you know, get a Kygo release, get a, you know, a Chainsmokers release. And I, you know, I think it's high standards, but I, I, you know, what they're releasing is kind of down our alley. And, you know, the smaller guys are getting access to the sounds that they're getting access to, or, or, you know, the better quality sounds, and they're making better songs in their bedroom. And that's the most exciting part about it. But I really enjoy the music that we work on, and it's funny because I don't. People ask me what I listen to, and I just listen to a lot of demos, and it kind of takes away from that whole who do you enjoy listening to in the in you know in your spare time. But you know, I've I've had a lot of inspirations to get tipsy where it is now, like Kygo and Chainsmokers and stuff that you know really hit the tone for us. Well, you're at, the in that respect then. You know, you're 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 absolutely a you know hyper focused A and R person, and you know, frankly, that's what a really hyper person, uh, hyper focused A and R person, you know, does. It's really important to have you know perspective of of what's going on out there in you know in the industry, alongside while you know while you're listening to demos, 
Um, you know, obviously, you know, you're you're always looking for you know sort of the next level hit or a sound of a track that completely changes the game and you know you know creates a new you know micro genre or or, or subgenre and you know it just having that perspective of of you know what's actually you know out and available right now you know sort of in your in your wheelhouse you know is a really important um, important part of of being an A&R person but you know being hyper focused on you know what it is you know your label sound is and you know what it is that that fits that sound and working finding and working with those artists is you know is really you know highly commendable and 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 really impressive you know particularly for someone you know at you know at the age of 24 so uh, you know, so so bravo thank you thank you wow that was uh very easy for me you guys you guys definitely uh just carried this podcast i really didn't have to do anything <laughs> You're still here? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here just smiling at both of you. He's <laughs> got the radio voice. <laughs> yeah, he really does. <laughs> well, that should uh, that wraps up the interview portion. So um, what you guys may, may not be aware of is usually at the end of each podcast, I ask, uh, what are you listening to? And Darren, you actually were just saying how you get asked that all the time. So um, I'll let you think about that for a little bit while I turn to Peter here and ask him. So what are you listening to, Peter? Oh, you know, again, I, I get bombarded by, you know, so much of, of our, our clients' music, um, but I still have time to, you know, to dig into my own discovery and, and things like that. Um, one of the things I, I've really been been excited about recently, in the last couple of years, uh, weeks rather, um, is the new Nana Cherry song, uh, Kong. Um, she's got an album, she's an artist from the, from the 80s, um, She's the daughter of jazz saxophonist Don Cherry and had a sort of a pop music career, um, you know, in the late 80s and, and early 90s. Her big hit back then was a, a track called Buffalo Stance. Um, but after a long, long hiatus, uh, she's got a new song out with a new album coming out. And the, album, the song is called Kong. Super cool, you know, kind of, you know, grimy UK, you know, spaced out kind of pop song. Um, the album's produced by 3D from Massive Attack and, and uh, Kieran Hebden from Fortet. Um, so I'm, I'm just completely just obsessed with this song and, you know, I'm just gagging for the, you know, for the album come, to come out. So, yeah, that's something that, that for me has been, you know, on constant repeat on Spotify for me. <laughs> That's like me speaking of like albums, you know, because I, I keep and people can always predict this, but I keep talking about Muse, how they are they're coming out with they keep releasing singles and I'm waiting on their album, you know, because I'm a big uh, you guys probably know this, but I'm a big rock fan of music, you know, but definitely like Muse, like just love them. So <laughs> so I'm waiting on their album. <laughs> so, Darren, what do you got for us? Well, I was just telling Peter at lunch. Um, I It's kind of embarrassing, but I, I was telling him how much I was enjoying the new Ariana Grande record, God is a Woman. And I thought that, you know, something about it, I just thought that she sounded really good on the record. And I, you know, I thought that it was super fresh, you know, hip hop, you know, trap, whatever style that, you know, she's going with right now. But it was hot. And um, listening to like genres and stuff and demographics, like what's popping in China, what's popping in India, we're really interested in these other markets um, from a label standpoint. And some new artists that, you know, we're getting a little closer to Kill Kid. He's doing the Latin niche. He's he's a Spanish kid that produces, you know, 
a lot of that Spanish vocal stuff with the you know the Latin drums. sort of sort of despacito, but a little right. bit more credible, right? But it's really more you know they're really updating the style and making it more electronic, which is awesome, um, and that's good for Tipsy. Um, another guy called Namek. We're really excited about him. A couple singles on Tipsy and a lot more talent to be discovered. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap things up. Thank you again so much, guys, for being on the podcast. I appreciate you being here. It's been a pleasure, Vanessa. Thank you so much for having us. All right. And see you guys next time.